Last time on Trials of the Apocalypse. Uh, Brindlewood Bay is self-described by the author, Jason Cordova, as being a dark and cozy mystery game. All of the players play as characters who are elderly women, whose book club, the Murder Mavens, regularly solves the mysteries and murders uh, which plague their titular Massachusetts town, Brindlewood Bay. My name is Coach Dropkick, in quotation marks because it's a nickname, McMurphy. A coach's cozy activity is kickboxing. Spry. Very spry. I chose what was called R. Quincy, which essentially makes me the medic, which means that just like Donald Duck in Kingdom Hearts, I'm healing no one. (laughs) She was a trainer for MMA fighters for 37 years. The two biggest fighters, there's such uh, household names. Uh, you've got Griswold the Grump, Griswoldy. Yeah. And of course, everyone say it with me now, Kevin. My maven's name is Marion Barry. So she's Mary Barry, like from Great British Baking Show. Her, her deceased partner's name is Paul. They lived in Hollywood together. She's a cozy bitch. Mm-hmm. Her cozy activity. Backing. Is knitting. Uh, You have a feline friend uh, with whom you share a very strong bond. My cat's name is Goji. I was a party planner for many, many years. I'm known as the great and wonderful Diana Ma. Whenever available, speed walking is the go-to. What's your cozy activity? Phalange aerobics is the continual extension and then contraction of one's phalanges. I'm recently retired as a shipping logistics coordinator for an antiques collectible store. I've had many loves through my life, but they didn't last. Ronald, John, Sanders, none of them have ever appreciated a pack rat, not pack rat, a, a resource manager like myself. The only true companions I've ever had are my dogs. We're on the 22nd. How have you owned 21 going on 22 of them? I'm not with all of them anymore, is one of the unfortunate sides of being a foster dog ma. What kicks off the session are little cozy vignettes. Each one of the players uh, gets to narrate a short vignette, showcasing their maven enjoying uh, her life in Brindlewood Bay. The keeper then presents a new mystery. Who's the keeper again? open it's probably about 10 in the morning the scene is jerry's gym which is the gym that coach trains in and the sponsor gym for the 55 and plus kickboxing league she's pounding away at a punching bag perhaps throwing a few kicks in there since uh kickboxing is her style and enjoys uh, throwing the legs every once in a while. Every time that she really throws a kick in the bag's direction, there's a very meaty thud. And every time she hears that that good good thud, uh, it, it brings a 
a nice little smile to her face. Marion is uh, sitting in her her little cottage by the fire in a nice plush rocking chair. She's rocking gently. She is knitting a pair of socks. Next to her is a picture with her uh, her late husband, Paul, and her two sons, Cranston and Mulligan. Behind her, draped around her neck, very much asleep, is an orange cat with a single thread of yarn hooked on one claw on his front paw, holding it for her, keeping it steady as she knits. Uh, she takes a moment, scratches behind his ear, he yawns, opens a green eye just slightly, and goes back to snoozing. The aglets of Diana's shoes bounce as she heads into Justice Gilbert Memorial Park on her first session of speed walking for the morning. Heavy in thought, she stops to rest at a park bench, preparing for her phalange aerobics because there's nothing she hates more than arthritis. As she looks for her prized bird, the Cape May Wobbler. It has been two weeks since Diana has been able to spot the Cape May Wobbler. She's patient and persistent, yet the bird still eludes her. Well, that seems like about enough time to rest. I better get up and get going again. Diana pauses and waggles her finger at each individual tree in the vicinity. You can't hide from me forever! It almost feels wrong to break up this idyllic morning with murder. But now I must present the mystery to you. The complexity of this mystery today is going to be a complexity of eight. And the title for it is Bitter Rivals. So the the summary uh, is as follows. The senior high school rivalry in Brindlewood Bay has escalated beyond jeers, petty pranks, and chicanery to murder? The exceedingly popular Brindlewood Bay South senior high mascot the Firebird, was found desecrated in a bloody scene. The man behind the costume, social studies teacher Rob Kestrel, is missing. Can I get uh, the name of the victim again? Rob Kestrel, K-E-S-T-R-E-L. Rob Kestrel, and he was a mascot at the high school? Uh, So he was a social studies teacher who served as the mascot for the school. Do we have an age of the victim? Not yet. I guess we shouldn't say victim, he's just missing. Yes, so he is missing, and in order to investigate that, uh, I'm going to need you all to answer for me the following establishing question. What did the South Senior High Firebird mean to you, mean to your character, and what big game or event coming up does his demise ruin? Uh, Whatever big game or event coming up that his demise ruins is going to be the, that field is going to be the setting of where it is found. This is Brindlewood Bay South, so I assume it's Brindlewood Bay North or Brindlewood Bay? Uh, No, it's Brindlewood Bay North. Yeah, North Senior High. So the North Senior High's colors are blue and silver, and South Senior High's colors are uh, red and gold. And their mascot is the Firebird. So then do we have the North mascot? Is the Buccaneers. They are pirates. 
I think the Firebird could potentially mean uh, some significance to Coach as she lives on the south side of Brindlewood Bay. And if she had had children, that's where her children would have attended. And being a athlete herself, uh, she attends games quite frequently and uh, has come to be a, f- a fan of her local school. I also uh, would like to posit, potentially, it's again up to you to decide this for her character or not, but I could definitely see her loaning some of her time as a like assistant coach, perhaps, uh, at the, at to the like, high school. To like the wrestling team? Mm-hmm, exactly. Some, something where she would have some expertise to lend. So she might even have some merch. Oh, for sure. You got to support your local teams. She may even have known uh, Rob Kestrel since she's worked with the school before. She could have. I mean, so actually that, there could be a special connection there that I, I like the, I like to imagine you would have had no opportunity to have met him under the guise of Rob Kestrel, the social studies teacher. Only, only when he's in the mascot. Yes. Uh, did, were, were you a fan of his, I uh, have, his costumed antics? I have never actually seen his face. I, I have just spoken to him while he was in the costume. <laughs> We can have a conversation, but the costume stays on. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, Marion, what did the South Senior High Firebird mean to you? I was actually going to say, uh, I don't think that she cares that much about, that Marion cares that much about, uh, like, local sports particularly. Mm-hmm. But I do think that... Uh, she and Rob get coffee at the same cafe in town and have struck up a a, a casual friendship. Okay. And since uh, since Goji goes everywhere with with Marion, uh, I think Rob likes Goji quite a bit. I think uh, Rob likes Goji quite a bit, but again, tying Rob to the the mascot that he also represents, I think that Goji uh, sometimes takes play a little bit too seriously with Rob. As he is a bird. Rob often ends up with uh, little band-aids all over his fingers after hanging out with Marianne and Gochi. Uh, I, I will say that I don't think that your relationship with him was much more than like casual conversation. I don't think you yeah. you, you might have uh, even you know known that he was the mascot and, and that he you know regularly had those sporting events and other things that he represented the school at. But I don't think you, you know, particularly knew about his personal life. Or, no, I don't or think so like either. That. I think we kept it very, very much uh, hobbies and and work and that sort of thing. Uh, he has told me about the the subjects in social studies that like are the most interesting to him and that sort of thing. But actually, I think Marion likes him fine, but also finds him just a little bit dull. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Diana, uh, how does Diana feel? What did the South Senior High Firebird mean to you? Should I relate this more to the bird, or should I relate this more to Rob Kestrel? Uh, either one's fine. I, so I think of them as synonymous. After all, it is the bird's body at the scene. Mm-hmm. Rob is missing. Is this a real 
bird body or no? It's like okay. the costume. I was about to say this is a a, a human sized. You keep referring to it as the bird and not the costume. Well, yeah. And I'm all like, hold on, is there is there a real like bird that they're well, calling I, I the Firebird? The Firebird as it is like the mascot. This is this is as much the death of this idea as much as it is the the potential demise of Rob Kestrel. Someone has murdered the mascot. Diana is disturbed by the desecration of the Firebird. For Diana is a very passionate elderly woman, and she goes about all of her passions with a fiery blaze of intention. But bird watching for her is something that she doesn't quite know how to be passionate about other than sitting in patience. And so the Firebird to her is a symbolic representation of how she can take her love for birds, but also into an active, fiery activity. That is why she has an all-seasons pass to the South High sports activities throughout the school year and is completely invested in the success of these school programs. So you've seen him a lot, the the mascot. Indeed. She has his autograph. It's framed in a... (laughs) very nice shadow box as well as multiple school jerseys because she likes to represent when she is out and about. I really like the idea that the Firebird, because it's not Rob Kestrel's signature, it's the Firebird's autograph. And I like to imagine it's just like a a, a bird uh, claw print. Like I do like the idea of Chicken Scratch representing this, <laughs> this autograph. Excellent. Um... What big game or event coming up does his demise ruin? We got to do something fun. What was on the sports calendar or we the gotta calendar? We got to go with something real dumb like chess or something. Water polo? Water polo. That's a good one. Well, I'd thought about something crazy like that in the sense of doing like a horseshoe contest. Ooh. This is like a New England setting, right? Yep. What if it's just regular polo? Oh, I like that. Okay, it's the, yeah, it's what the polo it's game. R- regular polo. It's ho- the ho- on on horseback with the mallets. It's the Brindlewood Polo Championships. And in order for this to have been genuinely ruined, the Firebird must have been a participant. <laughs> uh, I don't think mascots can participate. <laughs> You've well, never gone to a track meet that had a mascot race? Well, yeah, that's different. Oh, so the Buccaneer oh. and the Firebird both We're get on go a head to head. Both get on a horse. Oh, oh my goodness! And they Beautiful. they do a, a match like they they have a back and forth, and uh, whoever wins that. Uh, is like who has control. I don't know how polo works. Hear me out. Um, what if it's esports? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think no, no, no. This is I like I like the the polo. Yeah, polo is a really good idea. Would I, they let high schoolers participate in polo that isn't like Patrick, like Patrick, Patrick, private Patrick. school? Patrick, 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 Patrick. This is our game. We can do what we want to. Yeah, that's fair. We could simply have this as the opening to some grand festival for the summer. That isn't also necessarily active school year. It's a three-legged race. <laughs> I, hear me out. Hear me out. Uh, so I, I personally, so polo is a, lo- a lovely idea. I love bringing that in. Uh, another lovely idea 
uh, if it's like a ceremonial event of some kind, a joust. Oh, interesting. How about polo? How about there being a polo field that is... It's definitely served. polo, but uh, the mascots were going to joust before the game to there like hype the crowd. Yep, there we go. And let's be real, most of the people that were going to be in attendance there were going to be there for the joust and not the polo match. <laughs> so somebody give me a quick breakdown on the rules of polo. Yeah, so I was just pulling that up. I have no <laughs> clue. Uh, so, polo is played on horseback between two teams of four players each who use mallets with long, flexible handles to drive a wooden ball down a grass field between two goalposts. Let's see. Uh, so, the the field is 300 yards uh, by 160 yards wide, and then centered at each end are uh, goalposts eight yards apart, and a score is made by hitting the ball between the goalposts. Okay. And it's two teams of four. How big is Brindlewood Bay that they have two polo stadiums? I think they only have the one. They just have the one, and yeah. both schools use it as their home turf? Yeah. Well, And then when they're up against each other, they... Yeah. Because like they're going to play away games and stuff. Who has the home field, field advantage when they play each other? Well, I, I imagine... their home field. So I love the idea that there's an agreement, right? Uh, so maybe the north side has the water polo. They have, they have the pools... For swimming and water polo. They are the Buccaneers. And then, yeah, exactly. Ah. And the south side has the the polo field. Maybe they have uh, the stadium for that. Okay. I like that. So it's technically it's, South Senior High's yeah. polo stadium. Yes. So this was like the championship polo game being played between the Firebirds and the Buccaneers. Yeah. Or... or I. Let's let's I mean, championship uh, on a local level like that is pretty hard to come by. Um, but I like the idea that there's maybe a homecoming game. Ooh. This is the homecoming. This, game. this was the homecoming game. This was up. the homecoming. I like that a lot. So the homecoming game was like that coming weekend. It was Wednesday before the before the big game on Saturday. And that morning is when you got to find Rob before found. Friday, especially since uh, my boys were going to come into town. My boys were going to come into town for the homecoming game. Hmm. If it isn't happening, I won't get to see them. So it's a homecoming and a homecoming. Indeed. How cute. So, uh, now that we've established there's a polo field, it's at South Senior High, uh, let's, let's lay a quick scene for you all. So we've had our establishing cutscenes, our, our cozy vignettes uh, for each of your characters as you've been going about your day in Brindlewood Bay. Meanwhile, at the high school, I, I imagine the polo grounds are like behind the school. They're, you know, maybe down a hill a bit. It's not something that people go to that often, but in advance of the upcoming game, the main janitor on staff was sent uh, that morning to go and make sure all the stands were clear uh, and make sure that the the field was, you know, in, in good standing uh, in advance of the upcoming homecoming game that weekend. What's the janitor's name? We're going to get to him. Uh, he is, he is uh, on your list of suspects, as lots of people are. Uh, there are lots of suspects who you could eventually pin it on if you so wish. Uh, but he's one of them. He's the one who finds the scene. So I want to I want to zoom in for this. So it's 10 a.m. School's been in session for some time. You hear the the sharp shrill ringing of the bell 
uh, as classes have broken and, and kids are moving between their homeroom to their next class of the day. And walking down the hillside in dull gray coveralls uh, is a older man pulling a large trash can behind him as he descends the cracked sidewalk uh, that has seen better days towards the fields and bleachers that will soon be hosting the all-important homecoming game this weekend to, to celebrate the bitter rivalry between the two local schools and to crown a victor of who this year is the superior of the two of them. Will it be Victor Smith or will it be Victor Johnson? <laughs> It'll be uh, Victor Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Well, that's a matter of opinion. I do love the idea that both polo teams have a have a victor, have a captain named Victor, <laughs> Victor Smith and Victor Johnson, yes. the most basic. They crown the victors. Last names. Uh, so, wh- which one is which? Yeah. Uh, victor Johnson, I'll say, is for the rival school. Victor Johnson is north. Yeah, Victor Johnson's north. So he's the North Polo Team captain. Yes, I I will say we're not going to be pointing fingers of blame at any high schoolers. That's reasonable. Uh, that's not the direction the story is permitted to go. <laughs> Victor Smith is the South Polo Team captain. Yes. So, uh, the the janitor makes his way th- through the wicker gate past the tall metal bleachers because something has caught his eye that is uh, amiss with the field. Uh, and he, not having a good vantage point from the ground, he actually takes a few steps up a few of the bleachers and looks out over the field, and he can see immediately uh, in the, the, the bright light of day that the field is just strewn with bright red and gold feathers, and there are patches of the, the grass that are just soaked red. And surprised, he takes uh, a step further forwards, uh, heads out onto the field, and gets a, uh, a lay of the land himself, finally finding the head of the costume sitting atop one of the goalposts at the end of the polo field. Do you guys have any sort of community outreach, your Murder Mavens book club? I guess you guys have received some local acclaim. Mm-hmm. They're the sponsors of the Founders Day parade uh, every year. Oh, you guys are Murder like on, on the on the sponsors list for the Founders Day parade. That's very cool. I like that. Because of that, and since you guys have been in the the local papers a few times for some of your successful sleuthing, um, I think you receive a call from uh, from an unlisted number uh, requesting to meet with you in regards to a. Uh, a murder that has occurred at the polo fields at Brindlewood Bay South. Coach receives this call. Did we just establish me as the spokesperson of this group? <laughs> well, I think you have a connection to the school. So oh, it's, okay. it's a number that uh, the okay. janitor would probably get, be able to get their hands on. That makes sense. So, so yeah, Coach, yeah, you receive a uh, a phone call asking for you to come and see the murder that has taken place at the polo fields at Brindlewood Bay South. Coach, you receive this call. Uh, while you are hosting uh, the other two of your murder mavens uh, at your house during your 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 weekly meeting for your book club, um, canonically there's like a a room that you guys have that's like a a place where you hold some of these meetings. But I like the idea that 
It's a little bit more personal. Maybe later on, you guys will have your own space for this thing. Like a clubhouse. Like a clubhouse. Uh, but for now, it's like sort of you go over to each other's houses and host your, your book club. You d- discuss the latest novel, discuss any mysteries that have been afoot in town, uh, that sort of thing. So I imagine, let's say it's like early afternoon. It's around one. Okay. Uh, you guys have had uh, tea and maybe some snacks at Coach's place. Who, who brought what for today's meeting? Somebody else had to bring stuff because uh, Coach is not the best at baked goods. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I brought some scones with some of... Scones? Scones. They have a very nice crumb uh, with some some jams, which I promise are not poisoned. I checked. Diana bring anything to the party? Diana would be responsible for the croissants. Mmm, Excellent. Uh, and and coach uh, with the tea. <laughs> yeah, poorly steeped. Very poorly steeped. Excellent. Very, very weak tea. Very weak tea, but the uh, murder mavens have, have grown accustomed to the fact that it's just going to be weak. Essentially, <laughs> this is hot leaf juice. Yes. This is very much the definition of hot leaf juice. Uh, so you've received this call, uh, a call to action, if you will. Uh, and and for you to come and investigate a most egregious murder uh, found on the grounds of uh, your very own South Senior High Polo Field. Not a fucking mascot costume. All right. Uh, what do you say to the group, Coach? Uh, and then how do you all respond as you head to the scene? And how do you head to the scene? Uh, let's, let's, we can flush out a little bit about your characters here. Does anyone have a car? You are all retired. Uh, do you have like a bicycle? A bicycle built for two? A bicycle built for three? <laughs> I'm thinking like uh, like a motorcycle sidecar situation. <laughs> well, gals, it looks like we have another mystery on our hands. Somebody killed the Firebird mascot. Oh, dear. Killed. That's that's what the gentleman said. Was was killed. Killed the mascot. What do we know? We have to figure out something soon. Well, if you shut your trap for just a minute, Diane, and hop in the sidecar, we can make our way to the school to start our investigation. I've told you how much I mistrust modern transportation. Modern transportation. This motorcycle is 70 years old. All the more to be concerned about. All right, numbskulls, get in and let's go. (laughs) Hi there, it's David here with a lot to say in our mid-break, so let's get right to it. First off, I am humbled by the reception our setup episode received. It was our strongest first week episode released to date, and I'm just blown away. (laughs) Thank you for giving our show a try. I hope you're enjoying the game so far. It goes to some pretty wild places by the time the mystery is solved, so stick around. I have an extra special thanks this week to Dana, showrunner of Meddling with Monsters. We get most of our music for our show through Soundstripe, where we can easily get licenses to quality of stuff, but I was stuck on finding the right piece for our main theme for this arc. I just mentioned the problem to her offhand, and she wrote us the perfect piece. You heard it in the cozy vignettes at the beginning, and just now leading into this break. She has consistently been a great friend of the show, and so very generous with her time, so please, please, please check out her show linked below. 
Its cast is wonderful, and it is spooky, entertaining, and lovingly produced. And it isn't the only show I'm shouting out this mid-break. I warned you I had a lot to say. I'm very pleased this week to gush to you as well about Shrimp and Crits, a southern country-fried Monster of the Week podcast I also listen to and love. It's a dang good show. Their whole tone and vibe is so warm and funny and heartfelt, and I feel like their production quality just improves almost exponentially with every new arc. So while you're waiting two weeks for our next Brindlewood Bay installment, you should really check them out. At the end of today's episode, I'm actually running their most recent promo so you can get a taste of what gator goodness you'll find over there. All right, that's it for my gushing and thanks for now. Enjoy the rest of the episode as the investigation begins. Bye. So, Coach Drives. I think we just established Coach Drives. <laughs> Coach, Coach Drives. Uh, Marion sits behind her, holding her waist. Coach Coach definitely has the like goggles. Yes, when she drives. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. Marion has a uh, a cardigan that has a hood, and Koji is in the hood. And uh, sitting and terrified, I imagine, is and Diana in the sidecar. <laughs> so I pictured I pictured Diana having those grip strengthener. Uh huh. <laughs> yes. Contraptions that squeak incessantly. <laughs> And so the, it, in a normal moment, it might be, eh, 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 but now it's, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> that's going to be fun to listen to in yeah. headphones later. It's okay. She squeezes it aggressively. Yeah. I imagine it takes you a few kicks of the starter, uh, not for want of a strong kick, but rather for, for want of a working motorcycle. <laughs> uh, but eventually uh, the starter engages and your engine fires to life. <laughs> with a with a pop pop and a splutter, this motorcycle that is easily as old as you are, Coach, uh, takes off with the three of you uh, in one one way or another mounted upon it. I'm built sturdy, so it must be built sturdy. <laughs> Whatever you have to tell yourself, Goji dear, you know the drill. Hold on tight. Uh, Goji burrows deeper into the hood, as he is wont to do in these situations. And the motorcycle screams uh, away from your house. Uh, oh, no, this is a, this thing's loud. I think there was once a muffler on the back, but what's a muffler between friends? It splutters. And it does roar away and head across town um, towards the... Well, I mean, actually, you already mentioned you live on the south side, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't have very far to go. It's, it's maybe less than a mile away. Which is good, because it can't go very far. <laughs> uh, it has less than a mile to go. Uh, and with a, a an engine that stops very abruptly, uh, you you cut the power as you arrive. Parking, well, oh, absolutely not. Okay. She like <laughs> she like clips the curb a little bit coming in. Diana's sidecar like w- like hits grass on the other side of the curb for like a second, and it like pops Diana up in the air a little bit. My tailbone. Uh, <laughs> you rub your tailbone and uh, waiting for you at the top of the stairs which lead down toward like calling it stairs is I think generous uh, there, there's there's a cracked sidewalk that heads down uh, and it is cracked in such a way that, that it, you might think it was intended to be stairs oh uh, 
and uh, standing atop them uh, in a dark gray, very disheveled. And at this point, you can see the the arms of it are stained a bit with with a dark, ruddy color. Is a a older man. And I have in my my uh, notes. He seems to be deceptively sturdy for such a slight build, uh, and his deeply lined face frames lifeless, unblinking eyes. Well, thank you for making it out, ladies. I really appreciate your being able to come here on such short notice. Well, what seems to be the situation? Well... Our dearly beloved Firebird has been quartered and drawn. Quartered and drawn, you say? I'm afraid that is the case. Hold it, just just so we're clear. Not the person, but the costume itself? I I did not find... I There was no body found at the scene. Well, this certainly is a tragedy then, isn't it? This is more than a tragedy. This is horrific. But there was enough blood to... to certainly have killed a man. Blood? Allow me to just direct you to where you may peruse the scene for yourself. Uh, And he turns around and with a wave of his hand gestures for you to follow him down the sidewalk uh, towards the fields. He walks very slowly, um, even even without the large garbage can in tow. He has the exact pace that you might imagine of the tortoise in the race with the hare. Excellent. Uh, this this man is inevitable. He will arrive wherever he is going, but it will be at his pace. Uh, and you follow him down, and as you do so, uh, you 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 get just a glimpse uh, of the field. Uh, which you can see is splotched red in some places. Um, On the way, uh, Marion will say, Pardon me, sir, I don't think we caught your name. Oh, a pleasure to meet you. My name is Bartleby. Well, Bartleby, it's very nice to meet you as well. Uh, I'm Marion. Marion, it's, it's a, a pleasure to make your acquaintance. I've heard a very good things about the things you and your mavens have accomplished in this town up to this point. When I saw this most disparaging sight before me, I there was only one one group of upstanding citizens of this town that I could think to call and, and help bring whoever did this to justice. Tell me, is, uh, is Rob Kestrel still the man behind the mask? Rob has donned that costume for us all for a decade now, and we're all better for it. Oh dear. I hope it isn't his blood at the sea. Well, uh, I asked, took the liberty of asking around the school a bit uh, after stumbling upon the scene, and uh, there was no mention of him coming into school today, and uh, he didn't appear to have arranged for a substitute either. Do we have any idea where he is? Well, there is an awful lot of blood at the scene, and if it is his, I worry very greatly for his health. Uh, perhaps he might be able to do... And he, like, w- wiggles his fingers 
your sleuthing magic and figure out what has happened. Well, I do find it perplexing if they were to do something of such a great extent and cause so much... It's just hard to bring myself to these words. To take the time to do something like this and also put the the hood of our beloved mascot up on the goalpost of the polo field. Yeah, I'm sorry that you had to see that. I couldn't quite reach it to bring it down. Marion pats Diana on the back. So you can see the sports fields played out in front of you. Uh, There is, of course, you see on the goalpost on the far end, uh, on one of the goalposts, there is the head of the mascot, which was already red and gold, but the gold you see is tarnished uh, with a dark, dried reddish brown, uh, the color of blood. And there are still, uh, you can see there are bits and pieces of the costume that uh, Bartleby has assembled uh, and has sitting on one of the lowest bleachers. Uh, But there are still more feathers and other things strewn across this field. Upon arriving at the scene of this game, uh, of uh, arriving at this sports field, uh, what or who is making investigating the field difficult for you at this time? So you guys get to, to... sort of think about and select an obstacle that might make this hard on you. Um, That could be maybe the police are already at the scene. This could be maybe it rained the night before, and so the mud uh, is maybe hiding, potentially hiding some clues or other things. Oh, I like that. Let's go with that. Did it rain the night before? What do you guys think? Well, I think we established in the setup that this is a very rainy town. Sure. We could also say that the next storm is rolling in and time is of the essence to preserve whatever evidence is left. Oh, interesting. I like that. Sure. So actually, so what's making it difficult is you have to move quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay. I really like that, actually. Although it was bright and sunny this morning, storm clouds have have since begun rolling in and you can, you can smell the air on the horizon. You know tonight's going to be a real mess. Uh, and before the rain can wash away potential evidence at the scene, the clock is ticking for you to uh, assess as much as you can about this crime scene. So now I ask you, what angle or approach uh, do you all wish to take in this circumstance? What kind of an investigation do you want to log chair? Do you want to talk more uh, with... Uh, with Bartleby the janitor uh, and try to elicit some more details from him. Do you want to investigate the scene some? Uh, what's what's your approach? I'd like to investigate the scene some because we don't even know if the blood is human or not. That's true. That's true. So what manner... That, so like talking to Coach first then, uh, so everyone else be thinking as well for what your characters would do here. Uh, what kind of investigation would Coach conduct? And you can ask me any other details you need about the scene as we go. Well, I have a med kit. Could there potentially be something in there that could test blood if it's human or animal in there? Because I would very much like to like test the blood. It's like some kind of test strip or something, and it turns a certain color to determine what kind of blood it is. Uh, I will. I will allow that. So uh, I would like you to roll to metal, uh, and you're actually going to roll with advantage because I'm. it sounds like you're tapping your medicine kit. Mm-hmm. So you will roll with advantage, so you can grab that third dice there. 
and you are going to specifically, uh, you are analyzing the scene. That sounds like a reason roll to me. So roll three dice, roll reason. You take the higher two for advantage. 11. Does that include your modifier? Got a plus one of reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's 11. Okay. Uh, So uh, when you meddle, when you search for a clue, conduct research or otherwise gather information, uh, you describe how you're doing it, and then you roll with the appropriate ability. Uh, On a hit, which is anything seven or above, uh, you find uh, a clue. On a seven to nine specifically, there's a complication. Uh, And then on a 12 plus, you also attain a void clue. Uh, Seeing as this is 11, uh, you do not suffer a complication. Uh, However, you do not find a void clue. Instead, you only will find a clue in this. So you uh, analyze the scene, you go up to some of the blood, uh, and you sample and test that. Um, We'll come back to what clue you find. I want to get through what everyone's doing here first. Uh, so Marion or Diana, what are you doing at the scene? I want to uh, look at the the pieces of the mascot costume mm-hmm. and look at how they were torn apart. I, you know, I'm fairly familiar with like with cloth and stitching and like ways in which those stitches might be removed or like things might be torn. I think so I'd like to see if I can get a sense of like what might have done this if it was something sharp or if it was like yeah yeah that's a good idea Um, so I would like you then to uh, also roll meddling uh, the meddling move and you should roll uh, as well with reason it sounds like you are are analyzing the scene right yeah you are investigating the costume itself and what pieces are remain hmm wait with reason Yes. Okay, cool. That's a seven. That's a seven. Woo! Narrow. Uh, so, okay. So on a seven to nine, uh, there's a complication, either with the clue itself uh, or a complication you encounter while searching. I will tell you what the complication is. I think, uh, well, same, same as before, uh, we will figure out what the clue is and what the complication is uh, after we hear what Diana is doing. So Diana is a big picture thinker, and she is using her speed walking to take an assessment of the scene through the perimeter, potential patterns in the blood stains on the ground. Is there an entry point to the crime scene, an exit point to the crime scene? Are there any signs of struggle that can be um, taken into account? So whereas they were inspecting particular details, you are like at a at a at a big level. Uh, what can you figure out as far as like what happened here? Right. What are the macro elements of this crime? Okay. Uh, so All same right. as before, uh, I would like you to roll reason uh, as you meddle. That is a twelve, and then add one for reason. Oh my goodness! That's a thirteen. Wow. That's a 13. We got a void clue. Uh, yeah, you also attain a void clue with this. Then uh, that's going to be very interesting. Oh, this is this is very 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 good. I like this a lot. And you were investigating what? Uh, the whole scene, just sort of like what? Excellent. Trying to figure out what happened here, guys. It's um, Cthulhu. It has to be. Uh, so let me describe what each of you finds. So, Coach, you investigate some of the blood and viscera found at the scene. There are bits and pieces, uh, like small small pieces of flesh as well, found at the scene, uh, and even uh, occasionally. Uh, some some small brittle pieces of bone. Um, there definitely was some kind of struggle here, and in several of the places where the the patches of blood are are most substantial, 
you you find these little final vestiges of whatever carnage occurred here. And you test the blood, and while you are rooting around to find a, a decent enough sample of that to take, uh, the clue that you find uh, is a severed finger wearing a ring that you, you find complete, uh, untouched, apart from the fact that it has been severed. It is, like, stained with blood. What's uh, the ring? Uh, it looks to be a wedding band of some kind. All right. I mean, it's it's a ring. The finger uh, is is thicker, more more masculine, and the style of the ring is more masculine. And you you test the blood, and it appears to be human. So, Marion, uh, you inspect the costume, and counter to the theory which was proposed by. Uh, the by the janitor by Bartleby, the costume doesn't appear to have been torn apart. Uh, you can see that the places where the costume has been severed, there are are very sharp cuts, okay. uh, like one could make with either a very sharp knife or, or scissors or with with an implement that is designed to cut. Okay. Uh, and the costume appears to be severed as such. Uh, and as you are rooting through pieces of the costume, uh, you find in uh, one of the interior pockets of the costume, uh, it has been soaked with blood, and so parts of it are unrecognizable. Uh, but you find a receipt for an incredibly high value. Uh, the the number on the receipt is well into the, the several thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, and... You the complication that you get here is uh, you cannot quite make out where this receipt is for. Okay. Um, but you you can tell that there is this receipt. Uh, it has this total at the bottom, and the style of the receipt isn't like this was a store purchase or something. Uh, the style of this receipt is it's more like an invoice. Okay. I'll say. Is it still printed? Yes. Or is it? It's it's still it's still printed, but that doesn't. It's not handwritten. It's not handwritten. No. Okay. Also, Marion, because you are a bit frustrated from having found this clue that could be really tightly related to this mystery, but finding it partially destroyed in this way, having having it be soaked in this blood, I think Marion, you now have the condition frustrated, uh, which may impact some of your other roles in the future. Okay. What does that do? So basically what conditions are, they are, you know, words or short phrases that describe how your maven is feeling or or any or if they've been injured in some way, that also counts as a condition. And basically if you are doing a role that may be impacted by that condition, then you will roll with disadvantage on that role until you have used uh used the cozy move uh in order to relieve that condition. Okay. Uh, or if there's like some, you know, something happens in the story that I think would clear one of these conditions, like, for instance, if you had cut yourself and then coach treats you with her medicine, medicine pack, then, yeah. you know, that might remove that condition immediately. Okay. So. Oh, Goji. What are we going to do about this? Uh, and finally, Diana. So you investigated the scene as a whole, uh, trying to understand what had, what had transpired here. Uh, you can see that the gate which you had come through earlier doesn't appear to have been tampered with in any way. It appears that whoever uh, had come here had access to it. That uh, either they would have had to have climbed the taller fences around here, which if someone was wearing this costume at the time, you'd imagine would be fairly difficult. 
There isn't any sign of feathers or anything strewn atop the the fence line itself. But there's also no sign that the gate has been tampered with. So whoever came in somehow had access. And you can tell that uh, the there's like one main patch of blood uh, in the middle of the field. Uh, and otherwise, uh, the, the other places where you see blood is soaked into the area uh, are only where the costume, the bits and pieces of the costume were. As if the, the blood had more come from what was what was like on those pieces of the costume at that point than, you know, a body being dragged there or something. Um, there isn't really any evidence of a body here at all. You don't find a body. While you are inspecting uh, some of the farthest places where, where some of the feathers and other things have been strewn, I'm actually going to present to you the, uh, the void clue first. You, you see a, a partially eaten something uh, on one of the benches and you take a closer look, it's like the someone has eaten the top half, uh, but it's the bottom half of a muffin. And it smells, despite the fact that it's been sitting out here for you don't really know how long, uh, it smells really good. Like, really good. Like, what is Diana's favorite flavor of muffin? Marionberry. Ayo. <laughs> I'm suddenly blanking on all of my options for muffins. Lemon poppy seed. Blueberry. Banana nut. Banana nut. Oh, absolutely banana nut. Okay. So uh, it smells like a banana nut muffin, and it smells divine. And you you find yourself pulling apart, te- teasing apart the wrapper at the bottom of the muffin and just eating the whole thing right there. And this muffin's been out here for some time. It's against your better judgment, but something about this muffin just, like, compels you to eat it. It's so alluring it's so enticing and for a moment you lose yourself as you eat and enjoy the pleasure of consuming this muffin and then it passes and you're just left with the weird shame of having eaten a bit of muffin off of a bleacher can I be real yeah Uh, that elicited a visceral reaction from me yeah that was gross (laughs) But that's your void clue. The the name of that void clue is a crumb of muffin that tastes impossibly good. Hmm. What the hell does this have to do with anything? The void clue. Part of the deeper mystery. All will be explained in time. Uh, so that's, the, that's the, the void clue you find. With your 12 plus, it is a hit. So you do also achieve a normal clue. Um, as you are, are looking over the scene... I think you go for a different angle. You you walk out of the gate, maybe while you're testing it and taking a look at that to see if, the, if any of the mechanisms there seem to have been forced or broken. Uh, and uh, there's a, a woman with polished yellow nails uh, and a matching powder yellow pantsuit with hair that is just a little bit too complicated. It's, it's you'd you have to... Would you say that her fingernails shine like justice? Her fingernails do shine like justice, yes. Does she have a voice that is dark like tinted glass? Uh, yes, and her skirt is short and she is wearing a long jacket. So a, a woman in a sharp pantsuit uh, with, with yellow nails, which match, walks up. She's in her late 50s and she's got like a little red, uh, a red bit of cloth in her lapel. She's wearing school colors. She has a uh, name tag like below where that kerchief is in her pocket. Uh, and it says, Principal Purvis. 
Uh, you all right there, Pat? Purvis is a terrible name to have if you were a principal. She knows it. Uh, and she waves a hand to you as you are inspecting this mechanism. Uh, and, uh, well, I'll ask you first, uh, a new person has entered the scene. What's Diana's gut reaction here? So this is someone that Diana is familiar with and seen many times at various sporting events Mm -hmm. throughout the all season passes that she's had throughout multiple school seasons. She hasn't necessarily spoken to Principal Purvis on the regular, but there have been interactions before and they know each other in a way that they could casually greet one another. Okay. Uh, So uh, Principal Purvis waves a hand to you, uh, Diana, uh, and she says, Oh, Diana, I wasn't expecting to see you here this morning. I just... uh, Word travels fast in a school as small as this, and I'd heard some of the questions that Bartleby was asking around. What has... What has brought you here this morning? Well, Barnaby wanted to get the old group of mavens together to see if we could uncover all the details as to what happened to our beloved Firebird before the polo game this weekend. With a grim line, uh, her, her lips firmly pressed together, uh, she responds, This is... Uh, not really what I expected when I'd talked to Rob earlier this year about the potential of retiring our mascot. I I do hope that if your mavens are investigating this, that you find him quickly. He hasn't called in at all today, and when I heard of what had transpired here, I was most concerned. Uh, And the clue that you've gained here now is that there are rumors of the Firebird retiring. Uh, Not Rob Kesterl from teaching. He is a fairly young teacher. He is in his late 30s. So rumors of retiring. Rumors of retiring the mascot. Well, I do hope that you had plans to make some kind of public announcement or hold some type of school board meeting before going through such a drastic dare I say unforgivable offense well unfortunately it was never exactly in Rob's contract it was always something that he just did pro bono for the school as such the school board wouldn't have had any sway over it it was quite contentious but it seems and she uh, looks over your shoulder uh, and sees, I think she sees Marion, who has like one of the wings that is drenched in blood and is like piecing her way through pieces of it. And Goji is sniffing at yeah. it <laughs> from her hood. Goji is like <laughs> uh, checking it out. She says, it seems that, well, none of those plans really matter anymore. If you need anything in the course of your investigation. I just came down here to get a closer look at uh, 
the mess that we're going to have to clean up. Bartleby may require a little bit of assistance for something of this scale if we're still going to manage the game this weekend. But, she scratches her chin thoughtfully, this may call even that into question. At least if we can't... if we can't find Rob before then. Well, if there's one thing that Rob deserves more than anything, is for us to do him justice and find out who might be the culprit behind such a heinous, evil, completely unwarranted act of injustice to our entire community. And we must serve Rob now as he has served us for years. Principal Purvis pulls out her kerchief from her pocket and gives it to you, Diana, uh, as you tear up at, at the scene. Uh, there, 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 Diana. I'm, I'm sure that, I'm sure that if anyone can handle this case, it would be such, such women of accomplishment as you and yours. <laughs> Thank you. As you finish drying your eyes, Diana, the rain begins. Sorry to interrupt your favorite podcast, but I'm here to tell you about Shrimp and Crits, an actual play podcast with a southern twist. My name is Ian, and I am the keeper for this show as we play Monster of the Week by Michael Sands. If you like the sound of swampy monster mayhem, gators gone shopping, and magical fairy mischief, you will be right at home in the remote panhandle town of Gullicochica, Florida, where spooky danger has begun to wash ashore. Shrimp and Crits is the story of Sarah Payne the Mundane. All I'm asking for is answers. That's all I'm looking for is the truth. Ari Green the Searcher. You know the proclamations of the fame. I suggest you follow them from now on. And Ray Ray, the most mundane monstrous you will ever meet. Mr. Zeus, I'm a I'm a big fan. I, I knew you were I knew you were real. Um, and Ray Ray's just like bowing in front of this swan. As they fumble their way through protecting their skeptical town from mysterious evils. We release new episodes every other Monday on the podcatcher of your choice. Hope to see you soon in sunny Gullicochica.